Welcome to the Pomona Christian Church Podcast. For more information about Pomona Christian Church, please visit us at PomonaChristian.com or find us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Pomona Christian. Well, uh, being somewhat of an expert procrastinator myself, I've got my own theory, and you're not going to get this anywhere else. This is purely my stuff, so it's probably baloney. But anyway, you know, it's worth a shot. And I found through the things and looking at my own life and the things that I've kind of put off, you know, we all have easy things that you could do now, but it's easy to say, well, I could do that tomorrow because somehow the easy thing will be even easier. And we all have these things. I realize we've kind of got these rings of procrastination or things we intend to do later. And some are really simple things that you could do right now, but you just kind of put off. And then shortly, a little while later, you do them. And then there are those things that you said you could do now, but you kind of put off a little bit and they've been there a while. And eventually though, you do get them done. And then there's this outer ring. And I found in my life, once it hits that outer ring, I can think, you know, I could do that now. I could take care of that but I don't. And once they hit that ring, they're just there. And they're never going to be done, even though they're things I think, you know, I should do that. I should take care of that. But once they hit that ring, that's all. The, that's where they'll always be because I'm so used to them being out there at the outside and, and putting them off that it's happened so long that that's just where they're always going to be. And so we all have those things that that we could do now, that we could take care of, a decision that we could make, but we delay it because in the future it'll be easier or there's something now that we don't want to stop doing, and so we just put it off. I'm convinced that's why companies love the gift card idea at Christmas, buy the gift card, because so many, maybe you, you find gift cards in your house that have never been used, and I think, how many billions of dollars are companies making because they were given money and never had to give up a product? And you can even know they're there, and it's like, sometime, I'm going to use that gift card. I mean, that's just money sitting right there, and we don't. Or you get an email. I found if I get an email or a message, I usually try to get back right away, but if I don't then there's a good chance I completely forget or delay doing it. And it seems in a lot of ways, and in a lot of ways it it is kind of harmless, but the thing is, in certain areas it's very serious. It can be dangerous. Maybe it's putting, you know, putting off going to the doctor to get something checked out. The delays on that can be serious, but we can still do that. Maybe we put off saying things to people we love or things we need to say that we just never do and then it's too late or there's a relationship we need to restore or work on and it always seems easier down the road but now the longer we've waited the more awkward and the harder it becomes and so it'll probably just end up on that outer circle of something that never happens. You know we can do it spiritually that God wants us to take a step in our growth or to rearrange our schedule to put him first or to sacrifice in ways to build his kingdom. And we can just kind of put that off to another time because somehow it will be easier. Maybe it's that decision to accept Christ. that I found people have known they've needed to make that decision and take that step to accept Jesus, to be baptized, but they're so used to putting it off that that's just what they're used to because they will do it someday and they intend to. But somehow it never happens. 
Many never see how God can use them and their talents and their abilities because they think sometime I'll serve, someday I'm going to take that step, and they just never do. Or marriages struggle because the couple doesn't find a connection with other believers that they can build a relationship with and are going to strengthen them. And we can end up in that cycle where we'll do it in the future because it'll be easier. The schedule is going to be more open. Financially, it's going to be easier in the future. And so the thing that God is calling us to, to take our spiritual growth seriously, gets pushed off. Because we all know that we've had times, you know, I need to study Scripture. Maybe I need to work on my prayer life or find connection with other believers. And we put that off. Now, when Jesus started his ministry... Early on, Jesus was very popular. People were amazed by the miracles, uh, by the teachings, by all that he was doing. And so there were large crowds of people following Jesus around. And so when Jesus called them to make a next step and actually follow him to give up what they were doing and to follow, it shows us in Matthew 8 the response of some people. And this man's response is recorded in Matthew 8, verse 21, that he was ready to do it, but he's going to do it tomorrow or, or next week. And it says, another disciple said to him, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. So this, this man is ready to follow Jesus, but he says, tomorrow, I'll do it, but let me bury my father. And to make this clear, it's not like his father, you know, is in the yard or sitting on the porch swing and has passed away and he just needs a day, you know, to go bury him. But that was his phrase, wait until my dad passes away. Let me take care of these things and then I'll do it. And Jesus, knowing the decision that needs to be made if you go through the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus isn't one for delays when the right thing or the thing we know we should do should be done. He's not, ready, he's not really up for delays, and so he says, let the dead bury their own dead. You know, let those who don't know God take care of the dead bodies, and you come and follow me and proclaim the kingdom of God is what he is saying. But Jesus is telling them to make the decision and go. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till it's better. And so often we say, I've, we've said it in different ways, you know what, later, tomorrow, next week, I'm going to get serious about my spiritual growth. But then tomorrow and the next week come along, and we really haven't done anything differently because we see this person, we know God wants us to be and who we need to be and what we need to do, but we put it off. It's kind of like the famous saying that says, why do today what you can put off till tomorrow. And Mark Twain improved it. He said, never put off till tomorrow what you can do the day after tomorrow. And, and I think that's what we often do. But Jesus encouraged us in our spiritual growth to continue in Him. You know, a few weeks ago, we talked about that decision to follow Him, that, that decision we need to make and not put off till later. And Jeremiah last week talked about baptism that shows our repentance and our giving our lives to Him and beginning that journey to follow Him. But then Jesus says we're to grow and we are to remain 
in him. And that word remain that we're going to look at in John 15 can also be rendered continue. Continue in that repentance and that living for Jesus. Continue on in that decision. See, many people I've found just think, well, being a Christian is believing God exists and behaving. And that's about it. You don't need a connection with a church. And that's a pretty low view of what God has called us to because that's not what He has called us to. He has called us to accomplish a mission and a purpose for His life and in connection with other believers, uh, called us to come together to accomplish those things and be transformed to be like Him. And so Jesus says in John 15, Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So that's what he's called us to do, to to bear fruit, not just to behave and believe God exists. But to bear fruit, that means leading other people to Jesus, having an impact on the spiritual life, helping other believers grow, becoming like Jesus in our own lives, to not being the same person we were yesterday or the year before. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And so it shows the importance of in our spiritual growth, Jesus has called us to continue, to begin that progress, that putting that off can be very dangerous. And so when you become a believer and you give your life to Jesus, You receive the Holy Spirit that helps you live out God's mission for your life and His mission for the world and to become more like Jesus, to be transformed. But many at that time believed in Jesus, believed He was the Messiah. Many were following, but Jesus knew it's not going to be too long until most of these people aren't even here. It's not going to be too long until He's on the cross and there are just a few gathered around. And so he tells this parable in Mark chapter 4. And it says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd, gathered, the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things in parables. And in this teaching said, listen, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even a hundred times. So this is how Jesus would teach. He would tell a story that made this point so that they could all take it home and remember the point. Many call this the parable of the sower, but I really think it's the parable of the soils. It's because the soils are the point. And so in this, we're going to break down what Jesus meant, and I encourage you later, go later into that chapter and read Jesus' breakdown of that as well. But ultimately, what Jesus is looking at here is there are two responses 
to the gospel, that the, the seed is the gospel. It's the truth about who he is and the opportunity to follow him. And there are two responses. But with the second response, there are three outcomes. And so he uses this account of a Palestinian farmer that they would be very familiar with because he's in a rural area and there were so many farmers and they would rough up the soil, they would plow it, but they didn't have anything that planted the seed. So they would carry this cloth bag that would, you know, kind of go diagonally across them. It would be filled with seed and the farmer would reach in and he would throw it out and it would land on the field. But invariably, as they threw that seed, because it's not a real precise method, the seed just didn't land on the field and the ground that had been plowed but landed in all these different areas. And I've got to think that every time from this point on, they would see someone sowing the field that they would be reminded of what Jesus taught. And so that word of God is the gospel. And the first soil is the hardened path, that packed dirt that the seed lands on, it sits there, and then the birds just take it. And that's the first reply to the gospel, to follow Jesus. It's a no. It's people who just reject it. It doesn't even penetrate the heart. Maybe the person that says, well, you know what, I'm agnostic. I I don't know whether there is or isn't a God. And as we talked about, if you choose not to decide, you still made a choice. Then there's just the hardened, maybe the hardened atheist who hears it and just dismisses any idea, any thought about God. They don't care if there is or whether there isn't. And some just breeds hostility and anger when they hear about God. So that's the first reply to truth. But the next three soils are are really Jesus' point. He's talking to the people who say, yes, I will follow. Yes, I will give my life to Christ. And then he talks about the three outcomes from that decision. And the the second one here is those who receive it. That's what he says, who who take it in. They, They believe and respond to what they're hearing. And so there has to be a response when we hear the gospel. We either accept it or we reject it. But Jesus is telling this so they will know. And the point is for all of us to be the good soil at the end. Once we accept, it doesn't mean we're we're finished, that God has a purpose for us. So the first soil he describes, those who say yes, but they're like shallow soil, the, the kind of rocky soil. And being in the Ozarks, you know, we're pretty familiar with that rocky soil. I've got spots in my yard in the spring. They are great, but they're kind of rocky. It's shallow, so I know when it gets dry and the sun's out, this part of the yard I won't have to mow. You know, it's just going to die, and it's going to be what it is. And that's what he says some are like. They say yes. They may even grow some, but when troubles and difficulty come, they fall away. And I think somehow some people have that idea, the false idea, that when you become a believer and you give your life to Christ, that everything's supposed to go perfect, that God's supposed to do everything the way you want Him to do things. Some even almost teach that, that if you have faith, you'll never have any problems, and that is nowhere taught in the Scripture, that we're to dedicate our lives to Christ through the difficulties, through the challenges, but many when they've had difficulty in life, they have rejected their faith. Uh, one famous case is Ted Turner. That he, uh, w- when he said when he was young, he was a devout believer. He had pictured and imagined being a missionary, and then his sister came down with an illness and suffered for years and died. 
And so he rejected his faith. And if you look at it, Ted Turner got mad at God and he created CNN. So, you know, uh, that's Ted Turner's story. But all because he must have thought somehow everything was supposed to work out the way he wanted it to because he believed in God. And nowhere does Scripture teach that's how it's going to go. Some, it may not be a tragedy. For some, it's not even something dramatic. Sometimes it's those little things that get us off target. And we say, you know what? Uh, I'll get back to church later, or I'll, I'll read, study my scripture later. And some people, just little things, they, they keep putting things off, and then it ends up in that outer circle of it's never going to happen. You know, a lot of people I've known who've quit being faithful in their spiritual life or following Christ faithfully is because something didn't go their way, or someone offended them, and, and they were upset. It's been interesting to see after the time with COVID when churches had to shut down, like how many people had that routine interrupted and then their faithfulness kind of dwindled after that. Another thing he talks about is persecution in this, in the rocky soil. And that persecution in a lot of ways is something we don't face directly, but I think we have a lot of indirect persecution where people know if I hold a biblical worldview, if I look at things and believe what Scripture says... I'm going to be seen as backward. I'm not going to have the mainstream view that the media and a lot of people have. And when they make fun of people, I'm going to be the one they're making fun of. So a lot of people kind of bend what they believe because of that and try to adjust Scripture or adjust the Christian life so that it can fit in with what is popular in belief and culture now. But if we cut to the end, what Jesus is wanting us to do is be the good soil that produces a crop that leads others to Christ, that strengthens other believers, that our lives are being transformed. Then he goes on from the rocky soil to the weeds. And I think this is the challenge that we face, that the soil is good, but the environment isn't, and so that the growth is choked out. Jesus explains this in verse 19. He says, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So rather than the difficulties and the persecution, this is kind of the good things. They come in and they choke it out. And that's what he says, the, the worries of this life come in, they can choke it out, that we have bigger concerns, that our schedule were filled with all these other things that are taking precedence over the kingdom of heaven or the deceitfulness of wealth and desire for other things. We, we really just want these nice things. We want to hold on to our money and stuff and enjoy our stuff, and we don't want to let go and trust that God can do more with it than what we can. And so if there are things that get more dedication from us or things that we invest our time, our energy in, and we don't have really much left for service or to serve God in the church, or to build His kingdom, then we're missing the point. Or if we use everything we have financially so that when it comes down to the kingdom of God, God gets what's left, then we're missing the point. Because we think, if I do these things, I'll really enjoy life, and then I'll squeeze God in on the side. And that's what Jesus is talking about, the weeds, the things that are choking it out, that it's money and things. And it's amazing, some have been believers for years and have never learned to sacrifice financially, to give something up and to find out that there is more in sacrifice than what we could ever know is possible. 
because things choke out the growth that God wants in us. And this series really isn't about procrastination, but it's about putting off what really matters and what God wants from us in our lives. And I used to think, you know, we do what we truly value in our hearts as most important, that that's what is seen. And that's kind of what I used to think, but I was reading in some, and really I saw that's not necessarily the case. A lot of times we value something more, but we don't spend time with it. We don't nurture it. We can do things that aren't as important and put those as priorities over those things because what I read in one study showed that we do often what is most gratifying, which has the most instant gratification, the one we can derive pleasure from or satisfaction or reward from most quickly. You know, we can see that. I I, I would honestly say that my health is important to me. Like, I would prioritize that over a lot of things. I would say that my health is more important than pecan pie. But if I'm on a diet, and then I see this piece of pecan pie, the best pie, you know, the best kind of pie that is made, all of a sudden, even though my health is most important, it's like, you know what, that diet will work tomorrow. I can make up on this later time, but I'm going to enjoy that pecan pie. Often it's what we can experience instantly that gets in the way. You know, that's what debt is all about. Like, I really can't afford this now, but if I get debt and this depreciating item, I can have it now. And there's a lot of money made on that. So that's why the things we really care about and we genuinely love can still end up falling behind things that really don't matter. I think we've all been at that point where we say, you know what, I really need to learn to read Scripture or I need to improve my prayer life as we talked about. But right now, as we sit down, that, that'll be easier tomorrow because, you know, there's six, only six episodes left. I can finish it up and, and then I'll, I'll have time for that on this Netflix series. You know, often because of that and those priorities, young people, young Christians have media as a source of truth, that it's shaping many believers to, to give up truth in different areas because we don't know the Word and we don't take time to study it or to grow in it with other believers. And unfortunately, years ago, we never would have thought that young people would not understand the difference between male and female and it would actually be that it would be possible for that to be even be confused but because media and culture have been the source of truth and guidance that's what has happened because it has replaced for some who would believe in Christ or say they do to replace scripture with the world's view of truth and that's just a instant of the weeds choking out the growth and the fruit that God wants to replace And so that's why Jesus gives us this insight to continue in him, to remain in him. Another thing that gets in our lives and in the way is sin. And we can say, I'll take care of that later. But Peter writes this in 2 Peter 2. He says, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. 
See, some of the false teachers were teaching, hey, it's okay to sin, and it really doesn't matter what Scripture says here, it's okay, and some in our culture today are changing what Scripture says, and people are following along because they're not grounded in the Word, and it's choking out the growth. So it's important to be grounded in maturing in God's Word. That's how we become. The third thing is the good soil, that despite the persecution, despite the weeds that may surround believers, they manage to grow and produce a fruit because of what God is doing in their lives. And the results of that growth, they impact others. And our character becomes more and more like Jesus. What He's calling us to do is have an eternal impact. Often the things that that we put off, the things that could have an eternal impact, we put off for things that are only going to last for here and now. And they're going to be gone and they're not really going to matter when we go. But God calls us to make an eternal impact with our lives, and that's what it means to produce a fruit. In chapter 1 of Second Peter, Peter writes, As we know Jesus better, His divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. He has called us to receive His own mercy and goodness. So as we say, He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. He's given us the power. He's given us the Holy Spirit to live the life He wants us to and to produce a fruit. For more information about Pomona Christian Church, please visit us at PomonaChristian.com or find us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Pomona Christian.